good to just read <laughs> this long section um, that's going to cover um, really these last couple days of leading up to Jesus's um, up to the crucifixion. And we'll read next week, starting the crucifixion. So we're going to read chapter 18, <laughs> starting at verse 1. And we're going to read to chapter 19, <laughs> verse 16. <laughs> um, and I think what I'd like to do this time, if you want to pass, just say pass. But I'm going to start with Bruce. And we will, even though they're completely uneven sections, what I want to do is each person will read whatever the section is. So, for example, Bruce is going to read The Trail of the Arrest of Jesus, chapter 18, and he's going to read till the next section, which is Jesus faces Ananias and Caiaphas, and then that's going to go to Eric, and then Eric only has a couple verses. Then it's going to go, Peter denies Jesus, it's going to go then go to David. Everyone follow? Uh, Does anybody need, everyone has, if you want... um, one of these to follow in that section. Everyone else has one? Uh, David, do you want? I'll give you the book. Here, just take one of these for now. Okay. It'll be easier for all of us reading and following each other. We'll just go around until we're done. Okay, so we're going to go up to 1916, which is up to the crucifixion, which will stop at that point. Alright, so page 104, and as we're reading this, again, my, my thought was and I, I have some things in here. John is telling us these last few days of Jesus. And it's a little different telling than the other Gospels. So we have things in here that we don't necessarily see or have in the other Gospels. Um, but just as you're reading, is there anything that sort of surprises you? Like, oh, I didn't know that about Jesus the last few days. Um, that's what I'm looking for. Anything that sort of or impacts you in any way. All right, as we go through uh, but if you need a pen to sort of mark those, we go through grab one. Um, all right. Bruce, hit it. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words that he had spoken of those whom gave me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Mal- 
Малыча. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall not, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Jesus faces Ananias and Caiaphas. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Peter denies Jesus. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did other, another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door ended, uh, said to Peter, You also are one of his men, one of this man's disciples, aren't you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them standing and warming himself. The high priest questions Jesus. The high priest then questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews, Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I have said to them. Then know what I said. When when he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right... Why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Peter denies Jesus again. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You are also not one of the disciples, are you? He denied and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and once, at once the rooster crowed. Jesus before Pilate. Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters, so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusations do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own laws. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. My kingdom is not of this world. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, 
Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Not Now Barabbas was a robber. Jesus delivered to be crucified. <clears throat> then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you, that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man, Echo homo. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die, because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So, Je- so Pilate said to him, Will you not speak to me? Do you not know that I have the authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who has delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the stone pavement, and in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. A little context. I'm going to use something that Daniel gave me with a verse, but so if you look at, um, before I ask the question, if you, uh, in John 18, so if you look where it says, at verse 1, it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, so Jesus was in the temple, he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden in which his disciples entered and where he was arrested. So this is, if you can see it, this is a view. Can you get the lamp? Yeah. Behind the lamp? Should I turn it off the lamp? No, if you can get the lamp in front of it, then it would shine on it. Yeah, how well can you guys see that? 
<laughs> All right. So um, this right here is the temple. Okay. Um, this entire area that's all flattened out was the huge temple that existed that Herod built um, at the time of Jesus. All right. And so when Jesus says in three days <laughs> the temple's going to be destroyed and I'm going to be I'm going to rise again, and several other places, Jesus prophesied that not only his raising, that he was going to be the temple, but that the temple was going to be destroyed. And so in 70 AD, Rome came in, and this is just all stone here, because there was a, this entire thing was this huge temple that was completely destroyed um, by Rome in 70 AD. And never to this day again have the Jews been able to make sacrifices because their temple has never been rebuilt. And where the temple was to be rebuilt and where the Holy of Holies was is now the mosque of um, the Muslim mosque is positioned literally right over where the Holy of Holies was. So you, this is a place that today you hear often is a huge hotbed. Okay, I mean, you <laughs> you can't get hotter in the world and more than the symbolism of this sitting here on the temple Where's between the Jews and um, Muslims. What? Where's the Wailing Wall? So the Wailing Wall is right here. So no, when you come pictures, in... Are they outside? They are out, yeah, so, so it's outside. This is the wall, and so all the Jews come in here... And you will see, you walk over there and you can, I've been through all, walked through all this stuff and you can see all the Jews here and they're all lining up and on the other side of this wall here is where they're putting in all their prayers there. And it's separated between the women and the men are are separated on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So in John, my favorite place and where I would actually sort of walk every time when I went there, became my favorite place, and I have some pictures of this, but um, it says in Luke, the last week of Jesus, like every day, Jesus would um, go, at nighttime, he would go up into the Garden Gethsemane, where he would sleep, and that's what this is right here, is the Garden Gethsemane, and in the morning, he would come back down, and he would walk in and up their stairs. You can actually still see the original stairs here. And he would then, this is the whole temple, and he would walk into here or stand on the stairs, and this is where he would teach. And so I actually have this picture of where I was right here and took the picture looking out into the, into this, um, all of, into the, all, into the, um, Garden of Gethsemane here. So Garden of Gethsemane is where, well, we know what happened with Jesus, but that's where all these olive trees that some of them, they believe, go date all the way back to Jesus' time. They're massive, massive trees. This is where Jesus was also arrested that we're reading about in John. So when it said that Jesus went through the Kidron Valley with his disciples, he was in this area here in the temple teaching and everything that we've been talking about, and then he came, would come down here, and this is the Kidron Valley right here. So basically, it goes down, this part goes down, and then a, a valley, and it comes up. So this is the bottom of the valley, and it comes up here, 
you have all these um, cemet- there's a huge cemetery here, but up here is where the Garden of Gethsemane is. So what Jesus did was he came with his disciples down here, and they came up here into this area, and this is where he was arrested. And this whole scene that we just talked about took place. Um, now, it's amazing that uh, the garden is still there. Yes, it is still there. It's a beautiful garden. It's good. It was probably private property. Nobody's built on it. Beautiful. Two thousand years. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. If you ever go to Israel, did you get to go there when you went the first time? Um, he's going to Israel in a week. Um, Bruce is, so he might get to see some of this. Jesus, I I have a thing on the back that shows it, but um, so the where Jesus was crucified is actually like right around here somewhere. And that was actually outside the wall. So the wall of, the wall of, which is right here. This is the wall of Jerusalem. This is, yeah, and this is part of the wall. So the wall changed over time, but now, and there, it's called the, um, Holy, Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is right up here you can go to, which is. That's not the Church of the Holy Sepulchre? No, that's not it right there. I think it's more around here. I'd have to look exactly. It's not that. Um, And it's very non-distinct when you look at it from this perspective because underground, because all this stuff has been built on top, atop, top. And so underground, you have a rock that they believe is the actual rock that Jesus was crucified. Jesus was not crucified on a hill. He was crucified on a rock. It's a humongous rock that they would put the posts in. It was outside the city gates at this point. Um, and that's where they are pretty darn sure that that's how he, and where he was crucified. Um, and that rock is covered now <laughs> by all the city stuff. So anyway, that just gives you a little bit of a perspective. Um, so what happens is, is that he gets arrested and then he's taken back into the city. And one of the places that, um, where he's taken is very close to Caiaphas' home. And you can actually go to the places where Caiaphas' home is. That actually still exists, the location. And underneath that is a bunch of caves. Um, and you might not see my picture very well. This is a statue that's there of Jesus, um, with you know, in, in basically handcuffs like. But there's a bunch of um, caves here, like this, and these are the caves. This is where Jesus would have been kept hmm. during this entire these nights and during this time of him being flogged and all that type of stuff would have happened in this whole cave area. And they're pretty. There's one of these places. They're like, yeah, we almost for sure know this is where the stuff. Happened, and you can actually go to Caiaphas' house, which is um, nice. been sort of rebuilt and stuff. But anyway, so it's cool when you go to Israel because all the stuff that you see here, you go, "This is it. <laughs> this is where this took place." Um, so just a little perspective there, Jesus going down into that. Um, and it's the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, where he said, "You know, take the cup from me." Um, and it's interesting, he gets arrested pretty much same place. right in the same place where that happened. So, anyway, there's some context for you. So, some question. Uh-huh. Why did the Romans destroy the temple? What was the reason? Well, um, that was a good question. What was the reason? 
I heard a reason. Yeah, do you have a reason? I'm well, trying to remember what I actually said. There was, you know, the Jewish rebellion was, was very mm. big. And uh, so Titus was the general. Oh, yeah, um, they, they laid siege to Jerusalem, and they were starving them out. And it went on for a long time, and they built ramparts and finally breached the walls and slaughtered everybody. And the, what I was told is not in the Bible. The reason that the whole temple was torn down with 30-ton blocks, yeah. it was built of 30-ton blocks, is because the the interior was clad in gold. And when they burnt the temple, the gold melted, and it went between the stones. <sighs> And the huh. Romans wanted to recover every ounce, so they took every stone apart. Oh, wow, I never wow. heard that before. That's cool. Huh? Never heard? No, I never heard that part. Huh. Yeah. That, so, that makes sense. It's a huge motivation to move that kind of engineering. <laughs> there would be a reason to move those stones. And it follow the money. You said last week. Follow the money. Follow the money. Yeah. And part of your, I mean, what you're seeing actually in our scene tonight is the tension that exists between the Roman government, who has control over Jerusalem, and the Jews, who don't want that control. And so I think, I think, yeah, this whole idea of the Jews having an uprising is finally that the Rome's going to come in. Because during this time, Pilate, Herod the Great, these different people were trying to keep peace <laughs> with the Jews and the Roman government. And you have this tit-for-tat type thing. In fact, here, Caiaphas and the chief priests and the people that are talked about here, these are people who are religious and also very much under the power of the Roman government. And they both go back and forth, you know, tit-for-tat to try to keep rest in Jerusalem. Um, when that unrest occurs, that's when Rome's going to come in and go, boom. I apologize, I don't know all this. Why did they rebel? What, was the, what were they rebelling against? Yeah, I don't... It's a good question. I don't... I should know that. I don't know offhand what the actual I mean, event was that caused the rebellion. Roman rule, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, I guess Roman rule. Somebody has to be in charge, and if they feel the Romans decide, hey, we don't like these guys pushing against us, and they yeah. just take them down, eventually... It's a good question. I'll look into that this week, David. I don't know the answer. I'd, I'd love to know the answer to that question. Like, what was the, the other question you said is a hotbed mm-hmm. between the Jews and the... And the Roman government. No, I'm talking about... You put oh. a picture of... You said this is a hotbed between the Jews Muslims. And, and, the and the Muslims. Muslims. And the Muslims. Because the right. Muslims have Muslims the temple. Muslims Palestinians? Well, today, not necessarily Palestinians. Today, That's sort today of a, it's the Jews and the Palestinians. Yeah, in some ways connected, in some ways... Not connected in some ways, not connected. So, you're like, yeah, Palestinian Christians. Okay, I met yeah. a few. There's many Palestinian Christians. But um, the the people worshipping Allah, the Muslim religion, okay, came in and put in, I think it was 600 AD or something, uh, yeah, built that. I yeah. that. Muslims and Jews. Yeah. I just yeah. wonder if it was Palestinians and Jews like it is today. And they said that's existed for 2,000 years. So maybe the Muslims are descended. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. But Islam came in, like you said, 600. Yeah. And okay. built, and built uh, the mosque. Built, built the mosque. Because what they're building the mosque then is where they believe Muhammad rose up to God. So the same location, that's sort of the irony, the same location of the Holy of Holies 
is the same location that they actually believe Muhammad. Uh, and Muhammad lived after this was destroyed, but the place where Muhammad would have, he rose up <laughs> to Allah, I guess. Who, who controls that area today? Does the Palestinians control Jerusalem? No. 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 It's, it's, it's yeah. divided yeah. in half. Yes. Well, the reason I ask is... It's divided in three. Oh. I'm sorry? It is? It's divided in three. Well, you got the Christian sect, yeah. you got the Jewish sect, and you got the Muslim sect. But yeah. for the Temple Mount, isn't... there's The Temple two. Mount is controlled by Palestinian Authority. Today. Right. It's not controlled by... So that is controlled by today, yeah. what you would consider the Palestinian Authority. Um, is, well, is what controls that. We have a friend that lives there in Jerusalem, and she always tells us it's very dangerous for her to go there. Yes. She doesn't. She goes to the Wailing Wall and things like that. Or the so the Jews will go to the Wailing Wall, but Jews yeah, will not go really up. Like, as, as a tourist, us, we can go up, usually if it's not some uprising happening, you can actually go inside that um, mosque. Um, but, but she couldn't? She could, but there might be... Dangerous. Yeah, there might be, yeah. So the mosque is also the place where the stone where Abraham was offering Isaac. That's right, exactly. And Mount Moriah is what it is called. And when you look at some archaeological uh, high-tech videos that are available now, they show where the mountain was once a peak before Judaism... Mm -hmm. And the various uh, building of the temple made it a big flat area to build the great temple. Right. Yeah. Right. But it's amazing the photos you can see online photos of uh, Mosque of Omar and in the the rock inside from Abraham. Yeah. Because they Abraham is their what? Well, Abraham's their father too. Right. 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 To uh, so they all go back to Abraham. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Right. So so where's the tomb? Well, so the tomb <laughs> is it different than Abraham's tomb. No, Jesus. No, Jesus. Oh, Jesus' tomb. It's is it well, it's it's by the Holy Sepulcher. It's it's in that same place where the Holy Sepulchre is, where they they don't know yeah, where the reality sure. is. They don't know where Jesus' tomb is. That no one. There's been there. So there's a couple locations. One is by the Holy Sepulchre. Another one is, and I forget looking at this one. Where it's in it a is. garden someplace. Uh, yeah, exactly. Another one is a garden where you can go. A bus station less, there. Yeah. Yes. You At, can go in the tomb. Historically, less people really believe that's the place. That was sort of like, there's a lot of places in Israel that are called the traditional place, which is usually not the place that historians think something <clears> actually <throat> happened. It's but where all the tourists go and think it happened. <laughs> I mean that seriously. So... That's why when you go to Israel, it's good to go with someone who knows the quote-unquote tourist tradition places versus the, oh, this is probably what really happened, if you know. But we don't know Jesus' tomb. Everyone's debated that, okay? Um, in Bethlehem, you can go to the church that they do really believe where Jesus um, was probably born, not in a church, but in, in a place where they, they do believe that more likely where that happened. I said to me, uh, when he went there, he had to crawl through a small door. Yes. And that's in Bethlehem. Yes, you do. You have to crawl. And you have to do that even in, um, there's another place in the Holy Sepulchre that's like that too. We have to sort of crawl underneath something. There's but various chapels in there. Yeah. 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 I've asked this before, but uh-huh. was, is this church ever going to do another trip there? I would love to. I, I don't know. We, um, um, 
What's his name? Jeff. <laughs> yeah, what's his name? <laughs> that one guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, we were starting to think about it, and then he ended up doing this thing he's doing Spain. in Spain. Yeah. So that sort of has delayed it, so yeah, kick it over, yeah. we'll yeah. see. Yeah. I remember you said that before. Yeah. Uh, the question sorry. I have about that is like, oh, I'm sorry. Did you, want... you know, I was just going to say, not to get ahead of the game, but with Resurrection Sunday, can you correct something? Can you can you tell us what that is right there? Well, that's one of the gates, I think. Is that the eastern gate? <sighs> I just read today. Okay, so it might be. If, if this is not the eastern gate, this is the uh, Kidron Valley. Yes. And what's right here? Well, Bethany Garden, Garden, Garden yeah, so yeah, yeah, but up, right. up above that. It's, it's topography is coming up right towards you, right? Right. Is Mount of Olives. Yes, Mount of Olives. Oh, okay. Right, exactly. Right. It's Where's called the Mount of Olives, which is where the garden is. This whole thing is a Mount of Olives. Yes. Very good. Yes. Where the olive okay. trees are at? Is yes, okay. is a Mount of Olives. <laughs> but where he ascended into heaven. Yeah, Mount of Olives. And he's coming back, and he's yes. going right through that gate. <laughs> oh, wow. He's there. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. One little, just little piece of tidbit since we're talking about this because it's sort of very interesting what happened back in the 1990s. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that it did because I was able to see something you wouldn't be able to see otherwise. So in the 19 early 1990s, so what ends up happening is this entire part right here, I don't know if you see that, but this entire section right here is pretty much all is part of the Palestinian stores and shops and everything, all right? So down here, if you come down to the bottom of where the Jews pray in the Wailing Wall, what ended up happening was the Jews secretly, without anybody knowing, started to Tunnel. drill underground to f- go along the wall of the temple here on this side, and they tracked the wall because their goal was to get to the closest they could get to the Holy of Holies. For what purpose? Because the Jews, for the Jews, the Holy of Holies is the place that they believe is the rightful place where they can worship God. And so they decided, like there's a whole bunch of Jews that have, are prepared today for the coming of the Messiah. And they want to get as close, they want to get as close as they could to the Holy of Holies. So the goal was actually to go to here and then even drill further under here to actually get to the Holy of Holies. Well, they were drilling for a couple of years and made some very, very good progress. Got to probably like right about here. They went all the way along here until all of a sudden some people in a Palestinian stores were going, hmm, what's that sound? <laughs> and they got caught. Oh. Okay. And so they stopped. But what's cool about that is that because they stopped, we today, when you go to Israel, can actually go along there. And I have pictures of walking through this. It's all underground. And you see these massive stones you were talking about in which this temple was built in. I mean, yes, you know, this tall, that long, massive, massive stones, which is why you still see it's, it's here. And you can walk right up to the place. That is the closest possible way you can get to the closest to the Holy of Holies. But you're under and under it. Right. Yes. Right. And was there a goal to get into the tunnel and worship? When they're I don't the really, I actually don't know what their ultimate goal was if they had one, other than they, they're not allowed here. See, this is not their authority. But what they found are, are tubes and tunnels and cisterns and water There's passages that show so much evidence of, uh, of Jewish usage. It just, it shows their culture in very, they find remnants of things and 
artifacts and dishes and it's stuff that's Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. A holy grail. They found that too. Uh, or, or the Ark of Covenants, but I mean, Ark of, well, that's in a warehouse somewhere. I, 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 I I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work with, um, Spielberg? No, with, um, um, Good. Harrison Ford. Yeah. Trying to figure out what that yeah. is. So, Greg, so that, my question yes. I was having was, um, when you, when you were just showing us that picture right now, like, um, I think it was more than a carpenter or evidence. Mm-hmm. For a verdict, Jasper talks about like how that stone got removed, and I mean, no, he said he's trying to like contradict it. Like he said, you know, maybe it was the Romans that actually took his body. Oh, right. He's, he's talking about all these different ways, right. and what you just said right now made a lot of sense. He never did. Josh McDonald never does say if they could have dug a tunnel. Has that ever been ever questioned about removing his um, body? Most likely. Jesus would have, so there, you'll see like when you go to the Holy Sepulchre, so what they had was, they had all these, so this is what happens, in fact, we heard it with Lazarus. So what you end up having was into, into mountainsides, they would build caves, okay? And in these caves is where they would put the body for the, we remember how Lazarus stunk, right? Mm-hmm. They'd put the body there until the body would decompose enough. Then they would remove just the bones and go bury it somewhere, like in these, a lot of times these little boxes in another location. So, whether there, whether you could, like you're saying, whether someone could have drilled somehow into a yeah. cave somewhere, I mean, I don't know. Well, he, but he never talks about that. He I talks don't about, he says, he said, you know, there's, there was a Roman guard there. Right. He said, there's always, there could have been, somebody could have tricked him and went in there and, and stole the body, you know, the Jews, right. but, you know, like, how would they do it and all that? But when you just said that about the tunneling, I just, I just came to my mind right now. I wonder, has Someone anybody ever tunnel. thought about that if they, somebody could have tunneled in there and took his body before it decomposed? I don't know. Yeah. Just I don't, well, I think, but a I lot think of drilling in a big turn. Right. In a in a couple in, days. In two days, yeah. One exactly. Day. That must have took a long time. Yeah, exactly. And not only would that be impossible, but if let's just say that did happen, when they went in there they would have seen that, right? Yeah. And you would and You would see the you'd see the tunnel. Right. Yeah. I mean okay. there's so many people that would have wanted to disprove the resurrection of Jesus that if he didn't die and rise again, they could have done it. I mean there's enough Right. You know. Yeah, yeah, I no, I, I I I would just because you have so much more knowledge of the topography that I was just wondering what what did that look like to you when you saw that, you know where it's, he was. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a small cave that's actually that they build and they would roll a stone over it. Okay, um, so it's not that big. Now there's different locations like he's talking about another place we can actually see. They actually have a little round stone thing that rolls over in front of the supposed cave where they buried him, that you have to roll back and it would take more than one person to do that. That's a little bit manufactured. Um, that's but, the garden display? Yeah. Right. The garden display. Yeah. It's it's that. good imagery, but right. it's it's just not known where he was. Right. Buried, yeah. And no one knows. I don't think we know for sure, for sure. So, yeah. okay. we definitely don't know where he was buried. Um, yeah. But so. all the, the tunneling stuff Especially now, there's so much high technology. Uh, European tunnels are dug through granite and stuff with these machines. And 
Europe, uh, Jewish culture is pretty high tech. I mean, they have their own Silicon Valley. They, their military is very high tech. They, that's highly engineered probably in the last 20 years of what they're doing lately. Yeah. It would take. Yeah, it would take. High technology. Yeah. So can I. Yes. Go back a few minutes to what David was asking about why the Romans defeated the Jews, you know. Oh, yeah. and, and the rebellion, and it's. In, I, I remember uh, we read about Bar- Barabbas here, yeah. and the crowd yelled, "Give us Barabbas!" And in John it says he was a robber, and I was thinking, I've heard he was more than that. So I looked around and, and I found it, and mm-hmm. it fits in because even in this time there was um, a rebellion, uh, underground rebellion of Jews to to knock out the Romans, even during Jesus' time, and it says it here. Uh, what are you reading? What are you reading? I'm reading from Luke chapter 23. He's talking about the same um, scene, um, and they cried out all at once, saying, "Away with this man and release unto us Barabbas!" And then verse 19, King James says, "Who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison." Sedition. House. Yeah, trying to overrule the government. Seditions overruling the government. Yeah. yeah. And for murder. So he actually killed, I read elsewhere, I don't know where, uh, he killed Roman soldiers, Barabbas. So can you imagine how pissed off Pilate would be? Hmm. Wow. He's like, this guy's not, he's innocent. Give us Barabbas. He's like, God, Barabbas is the gnarliest bad guy in town. He's trying to overthrow me. He's killed my soldiers, and I have to give him up? It's amazing. Yeah. You'd like to do that? Huh? You'd like to do it? Do what? Uh, the Barabbas killed Roman soldiers. Well, yeah. He had a rap sheet. Uh, uh, Luke knew it. Well, I'm talking about... Uh, well, you're right. Maybe not. But like a uh, typical uh, politician, nobody no, wants to take the responsibility. It says it right here. Of course he knew. Of course he knew. It says it right here. Who for a certain sedition made in the city and for murder was cast into prison. For sedition, we just convicted you of sedition. You're throwing him in prison. They and knew murder. he was and murder. They knew he was a revolutionary and a, and for murder. So he was convicted in a court and thrown in prison. So yeah, Pilate. So you had a rap sheet. So Pilate yeah. knew. Yeah, yeah, rap sheet. Pilate yeah, knew. exactly. So did did Pontius Pilate know that? Why would he give up? Sedition? And you know what else is interesting too? I was just thinking this crowd is going, give us Barabbas. So you're Pilate, and you're going. All these people are sedition. Seditionists. All these people yelling for him are, are rebels. I'm, I'm feeling you. Know, it said in our what we read tonight that he was afraid. Now you know why he was afraid. I mean, they, I'd be afraid. He was facing a he was facing a rebellious riot right there. He was uh, a typical politician of that day. He was trying to keep peace and keep himself safe. Yes. So he went with yeah. the masses. Yeah. What I read was here. It says. Uh, what caused the conflict between the Jews and the, and the Romans? A serious conflict between Rome and the Jews began in A.D. 66. Yeah. Nero was emperor. The Roman governor of Judea decided to take money from the great temple in Jerusalem. He claimed it was uh, collecting taxes owed to the emperor. When rioting broke out, the Romans' soldiers harshly put it down. Oh. Then another thing says someone threw a pot of urine out. Pissed them off. Yeah, literally. Yeah, so, and I, so I'm reading just what, sort of what you just said. 
Roman military blockade of Jerusalem during the first Jewish revolt of 70 AD. The fall of the city marked the effective conclusion, so it goes back to Thomas saying, of a four-year campaign against the Jewish insurgency in Judea. Hmm. And that's, in other words, the Jews were trying to... But what they've said is, that. four years before, it's 66. Yeah, 66. The reason that they really got heated up is because the Romans stole money from the temple to pay taxes. <laughs> without representation. <laughs> Interesting. That's amazing. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Let me ask everybody a question. This is something I think about. I'm, I'm a big science fiction time traveler guy. Greg, if you could go back to some point in time around this time, what point would you go to? What point in Jesus' life would you go to? When, if you could go back in time and get to a point. Spend a day. Um, yeah, I, I, I'll answer. Yeah, I got it. So I would go back to the Emmaus Road. I would love to hear when Jesus explains on the Emmaus Road, he says, he unfolded the scriptures to show, and by scriptures he means the Old Testament, to show the two people on the Emmaus Road all that was written about him through the Old Testament. Huh. I've always, that's the part that I go, I would love, have loved to hear Jesus explain to them how he is seen throughout all the Old Testament. So, that's the point I'd go back to. I've always been going like, <laughs> I just <laughs> look like, show me. You thought about it. Where would you go? I, I think I'd go back. It's uh, a good question. I mean, you could say, what, you go back to the point, you could stay a month or two months or however you want to go. I, I think I'd go back to the point in time where um, Jesus was telling you, hey, I'm, I'm the guy, I'm the guy. He, he, knew, <clears throat> he knew what he was doing, but I would try and convince him. Hey, but then that would have been self-defeating. That was not his purpose. And I would try and say, the other thing I'd like to do is I'd like to see the stone roll back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd like to be there and watch that. Yeah. So it would be the crucifixion and follow the crucifixion, follow, follow the trail. Yeah. What about anybody else? That's a great question. I love that question. Mm-hmm. What, would you, what would you, what would you, what scene or what place would you rather, would you like to go back to? Anybody ever think of? Like the sermon on the move. Mmm. See all the fishes in there. Yeah. Yeah. That's where all the Beatitudes came into play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you can go to the place where they pretty pretty sure that's where the, he delivered the Sermon on the Mount. It's all this really beautiful grassy area that goes all the way down to the Sea of Galilee. So it's this place where he could be up here and he could be talking or maybe down here. Anyway, your voice just echoes out. Okay. So yeah, you can be teaching you know, like a thousand people. And they could be hearing I'd also <laughs> like to go back to when these guys were walking on the road and Jesus joined them. They didn't know who he was. That's oh, what, oh, yeah, okay. that's uh, a mess. Yeah, the mess road. Yeah. yeah. Um, anybody else can think of uh, a? I'd like doing? to be with him on the Sea of Galilee in the boat when hmm. in the storm. Oh, yeah, see yeah. Walk on, yeah. See him walk on water. Hmm? See him walk on the water. Yeah, just when he calmed the storm. Calmed the storm. Yeah. The problem with that for me is that even the guys that were there and watched him walk on water, they still didn't believe. 
<laughs> I mean, it, it, it is a ghost. It amazes me that we go through this whole, we read about this whole intersection of Christ with the disciples and all the things that they're doing. And he does, all the way from the wine to raising, you know, all the different things he did. And they were right there with him, and they still couldn't put it together. You know, but after his resurrection, and he shows it back up, their lives, I mean, they do tremendous things. They, I mean, they, they walk huge distances and preach to all kinds of crowds, and they do they're willing to die right. for what they know to be true now. Mm-hmm. I don't think they would have done that before the crucifixion. Yeah. The, the way, resurrection. They, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't have. Right. I mean, that's They the, would have been yeah. as afraid as they were in the boat even after he showed up. Yeah. But after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit indwelled them and gave them all that bravery. Right. Yes. Yeah. But it took the resurrection to do that. Yeah. Well, yeah, it took the, as you were saying, it took the resurrection and the Holy Spirit, um, which Jesus predicted, which we're going to see when we go through John 14, 15, 16, we're going to see the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm bringing the Holy Spirit so you will get it. So you will understand. Um, that's the part. So this one sentence is the part that for me, I go, this is the Luke part of the Emmaus Road. And Jesus talking to them, and then Luke puts in, then Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Mm. And that's the, oh, you know, where all of a sudden it makes sense. Um, and Luke, Jesus opened their minds, is that what it says? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And so just that one sentence, I go, I would have loved to hear what he did. That's sort of where that, I would want to be. You know, it just would have been... Yeah, would have been would have been fascinating. I mean, that was sort of the sense that was my whole point of my sermon I gave a couple weeks ago about understand that the understanding we have to have that opens our eyes is something that is not just you know read it and you get it. It takes both the reading of it and it takes the gift of the Holy Spirit inside of you, both those working together through faith to where we today we just read this right now and we go, yeah, we believe it, but. Go walk out to someone on the street right now and say, here, and they go, what? This is stupid. This is making sense or yeah. whatever, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Hey, Tom, I got an idea for your next book. Time travel back into the Jesus time, going back and forth, and created a movement, current movement today, with the facts that you collect. Hmm. And giving people more information or, you know, adding to the, the, the message, you know, because a lot of things you just don't know. And all those things you don't know, you can go back and get them, you can come back. It'd be difficult trying to convince people that you know this. How do you, how do you know that? Well, I was back there last week. <laughs> I'm a big time trouble fan, so. <laughs> I'm dreaming. I like time trouble. Oh. You want to go back to the future? Yeah. I think the resurrection bring a lot of peace, um, and it completed, you know, the mission for him and God. 
to bring the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I went to see Brandon Lake. I don't know if you know. He's a worship singer. Me and my wife went about maybe two or three weeks ago. And I went specifically for one reason, because the, the tour is called House of Miracles. And um, when I was sitting there and he came out, I got so emotional. Mm. I'm an emotional person anyways, um, but I felt like that. I just felt so much peace in my heart. And I was kind of afraid. Of, you know, my wife and me had been together for about 50 years, maybe. I mean, so we know each other really well. I mean, but I started crying. And a lot. I was just so, I had so much joy in my heart. I felt the presence of Jesus. And, and he told me that, he, Brandon said that. He said, you know, you, you can feel the presence of Jesus right now. And I thought about the resurrection. That's the first thing I thought about in the Holy Spirit. And my wife looked at me and she saw me just crying. It, it was, I never felt so much love in such a long time. It was, you know, it was definitely not a, a rock concert type high. It was, <laughs> It was really amazing. Yeah. Mm. You guys can YouTube the House of America tour. You can see, like, when he does some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty amazing how, how many people just, like, it's just it's overwhelming. Mm. Yeah. Oh, wow. That was a good yeah. discussion off into. <laughs> um, anybody else as far as, it, well, my question, which we never really got to, which was, <laughs> which I guess we sort of did in some ways, but... Are there things in here in this story when you read it? Did you go, oh, I didn't see that before? Or, yeah, Eric. It's actually pretty profound. Um, and it uh, starts in um, 2. Now, Judas... Uh, where, where are you at? In 18-2. Now, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place where Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus and Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Jesus, who betrayed, or Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And what strikes me is, these are the soldiers and the officers of the court. And they're coming with power and authority to arrest Jesus. And all he does is say who he is. And the power and authority of who he is slays him. They fell down under that power and authority, uh-huh. and and it just you know before <coughs> I just would read through that, but when you think about okay, this is the power and the soldiers and the authority and they got weapons and they're going in there to get them and all he has to do is say who he is and they fell to the ground. Mm, I love it. When just Moses by saying who he was. When Moses said, "Who shall I say is sending me?" And the voice says, I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, that's right. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. I'm, he's actually saying, I'm Yahweh. I am. Yeah. I yeah. am God. But, I mean, all yeah. the power and authority was just slayed just by yeah. him saying who he was. And and the, the thing is, is that he was always in the truth. Mm. And the power and authority of the truth mm. is is what his whole ministry was about. He was bringing the truth. 
Yes. Oh, 1838 is when Pilate says, what is the truth? That's interesting you said that. Yeah. And, That's, and notice that it's, what struck me is it stops. You don't get no answer. There's nothing there. Yeah. After I read that, <laughs> you told me to read that, I started thinking about it. And I'm going, what is what truth? Is the truth? What is the truth? Because you think, he is Jesus truth, says he's right. the truth, right? Yeah, that's right. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, like when I started thinking about it, what is, what is something we can actually say is true right in our lives right now? Just can anybody answer that question? Like what do you think, what are you sure of that's the truth right now? I'm, I turned 65 yesterday. <laughs> okay, but you don't know that for sure. I mean, you might have you might have lost you, you might have been. Well, I guess I, I have to believe my birth certificate. I mean, right? you could even say taxes, but some people cheat on their taxes, right? No. <laughs> some people do. They still have to pay. But but the thing for sure is, you know, we are we all know we're going to die, mm-hmm. and, and that's true. Mm-hmm. And so when he says, "What is the truth?" I thought about that, and I'm thinking, "What is Jesus saying?" He's talking about the transformation. Maybe. I mean, I maybe I'm reading too much into it. Well, I think Eric answered the question. I mean, ultimately, what is the truth? Jesus says he I is am. the truth. Yeah. It's ultimately him. Truth is him. It's it's God. It's yeah, not some bunch of principles or a bunch of facts. Like it, It's not that. It's yeah. the person of Christ. And that's what we all often... That's my favorite one that I use with people is, um, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Right. Everyone knows that, right? I think I can go up to anybody in Laguna Beach right now. Yeah. And just, and even if they're not a Christian, and say, if you know the truth, the truth will, and they will finish that sentence. Mm-hmm. But that is a lie. Mm-hmm. That is not what it's, uh, that is, that, yeah. that section is, if you all, that's all you quote. Is a lie because that is not what it says. <laughs> that is a conditional statement of mm-hmm. something else. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Is not a your English is not a what Singular. a sentence. That is not a truth in itself. Yeah. We have a truth. In fact, standing by itself, it really is a lie because that is not. That's not. You will know the truth, and the truth sets you free. It's the shortcut to cut out the real reason. Right. (laughs) The real reason is the if statement that happens before that. (laughs) Because you have to meet the conditions of the if statement for that to take place. And the if statement is what? Anybody know? What's the if statement? If you know the truth. What? If you know the truth. No. No. So go to John. Why don't you guys be happy right here? Go to John 8.32. Oh. Look at it for yourself. <laughs> um, John eight. Um, yeah, go to John eight thirty. Where is it? Eight thirty two. Thirty one. Eight thirty one. Yeah, go to John eight thirty one, page fifty four. Wow. And I have to. I'll be a little judgmental here when I say this, but I've heard so many preachers and teachers just say, "You will know the truth, and truth will set you free." I'm like, no. You have to abide in the yeah. word. Yeah. Well, good. that was your yeah. message. Yeah, I get yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Okay. You Which, have to be with God to be able to really right. know the truth. You have to abide in his word. You are truly my disciples. Yeah. That's so if you're not my disciple and you're not following Jesus. Then you can't know the truth. You can't know the truth. Because the truth is Jesus. And that's the foundation of <laughs> right. our sermon. 
Yeah. 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 Good point. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think I think people today take. They may not know the knowledge of Jesus or things like that, but if you're living a life of deceit. You're living a life of what? A life of deceit and oh, lies and uh-huh. things like that, and finally you come clean and you tell the truth. You don't have to worry about covering life, life, life. Mm-hmm. If you tell the truth, there's, it's always going to be the right answer. Always. Yeah. Always be the right And there's answer. a freedom to that. It's a freedom, in that sense. And that's, but that's not how that's people. That's what people are thinking about. They're not right. thinking about what we're talking about tonight. Right. When they say that. Right. And don't you think. In 38, I thought about this. Don't you think that Pontius Pilate wants to know what the truth is when he mm-hmm. says that with an open-end question? I, I do. Because, you know, I guess, you know, just from the stories, like when they talk about his wife had dreams and all that, and which I don't really know a lot about. But, you know, he was, like, getting stressed out about putting, you know, Jesus to death, making that thing. But he says, he says, what is the truth? You know, like, he's trying to, he wants to know, mm-hmm. right? Don't, don't mm-hmm. you think he's, like, he, I, I, yeah. Well, I think everybody in this world wants to know the answer to that question, whether they want to ask it or not. What is really the truth? Yeah. Which is a good place you can witness from. Is that? <laughs> it's a good place you can witness someone. Oh, about, yeah. You know? That's, yeah, you that know? was beautiful. What is, who, said, you know? Yeah. Well, Pilate asked that question. What, what's the answer? You know? In other accounts, doesn't Judas point Christ out instead of Christ? He gives him a hug. Kiss. 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 Kiss, yeah. Yeah. But he points him, and that's skipped in this. Yeah. It's a different, sort of a different... And uh, healing the cut-off ear isn't in this one either. Yeah, Yeah, he did. Yeah, he does. No, he he cuts it off, but he doesn't... Oh, put put it back in here. Yeah, he doesn't put it back on and leave it off. (laughs) 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 And he even mentions it later. Yeah. Well, this is the guy that's got the mm-hmm. ear cut off. Yeah, it doesn't say God put it back on. No. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think about <laughs> didn't that until now. Yeah. 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 He must have been a pretty good swordsman. <laughs> just got the ear. Got the ear. Either that or he missed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah he actually to, purposely. He's trying to crack his head. And he probably tried to duck and there went his ear instead of his scalp. So, can I answer your question? Yeah, I love you. I don't know what my question was. What stood out? Oh, yeah, gotcha. So, um, two things. The first thing is, is how, for lack of a better word, brave and manly Jesus is when they come to get him in the garden. Because you think of him sweating blood and praying to God to deliver him, you could think, eh, you know, he's kind of showing some weakness, or, for lack, just for the point I'm making. Mm-hmm. But, but once he knows that the die is cast, and that he has to do his father's will. Mm-hmm. And he says it. And where is yes. this? He says it in this passage. Where is that? Um, oh, it's the top of the page. What do you see? He says, uh, in oh. verse 11, mm-hmm. put your sword into your sheath. Right. Shall I not drink the cup? Yeah. Of the so yeah. that shows that, you know, he's, he's resolved to drink the cup. So, mm-hmm. You know, you just think of the scene. So these guys, soldiers and lanterns and, you know, threatening. And Jesus stands out and says, who are you looking for? I mean, he's not running. He's not waiting for somebody to point him out. And he He, comes forward. He stands out. He goes, who are you looking for? And he says, here, whom seek ye? Jesus of Nazareth says, I am he. I mean, just this is... 
This There's is a, a truth. Somebody tells the truth, a right? Man, this is a man who's braver than any of us. I mean, yeah. this is amazing. And whom seek ye again? And then I've told you, I am he. So let these guys go. I'll mm-hmm. take the full rap. How brave is that? Yeah. I'm not going to rely on these guys. They've been with me all these years, but... Just let them go. This is brave. I thought that was interesting because I didn't see that before, that he, like, he let all the disciples, he made sure all the disciples yeah. part didn't get arrested. Yeah. Well, so it like, wasn't about them. It was about him. Right. Right. But it's neat that he just, He's what Tom was saying, them. is that he, he let them... He made sure that it's, that, is he a real man? He's, he's not saying, hey, come on, I want my guys to come with me. And, yeah. you know, he's saying, it's all me. Right. Let's okay, and then, go. so just the manliness. And then further on, starting around um, verse 34, um, the bit about being a king. So 33, Pilate says, art thou the king of the Jews? And there's no, I was looking through the pet's previous verses, and it, there's no kingship mentioned. So, Pilate must have heard that he was claiming to be king of the Jews. So he asked him, are thou king of the Jews? And Jesus said, you say it yourself. Did others tell you? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? How would I know? Thy no nation and the chief priests have delivered me. What hast thou done? Jesus said, here's what's interesting. Jesus answered, my kingdom (laughs) is not of this world. (laughs) So... So Pilate just latches onto it, says, what, uh, what? Are you a king then? Jesus answered, just say us, I am a king. So he dodges it. To this end I was born, and for this cause I came to the world. He's saying, yeah, in so many words, I'm a king. Um, but then it, it shows since he's not king of the Jews, because the Jews owe the world. But it's just interesting that Jesus did claim in 36 he's, that he's king. He's saying, my kingdom's not of this world. So yeah, I'm a king. Mm-hmm. Can I circle us back to uh, what we were talking about earlier? So, um, 31. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Oh, you got that to eight. Uh Uh-huh. Okay? So, when you think about it, that he's the truth. If you abide in his word and you're walking with him... That means that you live in the truth, otherwise you're a sinner. And what comes to my mind is, is that living in the truth is very powerful because you have nothing to hide. You have no liability because you're walking in the truth and you're not deceiving anybody, you're not lying, you're not cheating, you're not doing anything. And so... What that means is, is that you can be more in touch with yourself through humility, knowing that you have no liability of anything being found out about you that you're hiding as a secret. And so what happens is there's power in that. And the power, the power is I don't have any liability. I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to fear then. Because of that power, and you're able to be more in touch with yourself and in humility and through hum- because the truth gives you the, uh, the ability to be humble, and through humility, you're able to join your fellow men mm-hmm. and be in relationship with them. That's integrity. 
That's called integrity and, and virtue. And so that integrity and virtue is walking in the truth, in his word, with no liability, and that's why you're set free. I'll end my sermon right now. <laughs> well, that's what he says. We'll put you up there on Easter, you know. <laughs> but doesn't it take more than that? I mean, doesn't it take, um, he wants you to be born again? Right. So, well, yeah, so you're going. But that's, see, that's the process that you get there. Yeah. Because I would have liked to be in there that night when Nicodemus came. <laughs> I would like to have known, I would have liked to see how that all stood out when Nicodemus came that night secretly. Well, all through John, we have the word that's saying what you just said. It's not just enough to say, even, it's time telling the truth. That is an outgrowth, and should be an outgrowth of something, which is the fact that you have this relationship with Christ, which is a whole word believe. Pistis, 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 pistis. I mean, everything's about putting your faith in Christ. That's what ultimately gives you the freedom. Because we're all sinners. And we all have to have freedom from that sin and that on us and that only is going to come through a relationship with Christ. But, um, but and I'll wrap real quick with yeah. what, he, what Eric just said because I, I liked what he said. But we've talked about this before. We've talked about like my friend who died. Mm-hmm. The most honest person I've ever known in my life. I mean, he, that I know of, he's never lied and most generous. But what I was trying to do with his hand that day, I was trying to hope that, you know, there was some way, even though he had passed, that mm-hmm. some way he, God would accept him. So you can be a person that's telling the truth your whole life. But if you, and you told me this. You said, but if you haven't accepted, right. you know, you're, you're struggling with something. And, and so it's, it's, good, it's good that you're honest and you tell the truth, but you still got to be saved, right? Absolutely, and that's why I would say... Well, that's why you're honest and tell the truth. Yeah, so where does virtue come from? If you think virtue, which is really what he's talking about, if you if you think virtue, virtue does not save you. Virtue, virtue should be the the outgrowth it's, it's or the, the response fruit. to a saving relationship you have with Jesus but Christ. But if he hadn't gotten to that point yet, yeah. he's got the virtue, he's got the integrity, and he's telling the truth, but he hadn't accepted... It doesn't have a relationship with Christ. Where does he go? Well, what does Jesus say? That's <laughs> Well, remember, and I think this is the piece I hear this all the time. It was really hit me when we were doing this in John. Remember at the beginning of John, Jesus, it, Jesus does not say, if you don't believe in me, you're going to hell, or you're condemned. I'll use the word condemned. I think that's the word he used. Jesus does not say, if if here's a choice. Okay, you're you're either if you don't if you don't believe in me, you're going to hell. Hell, he says you already are going to hell. <laughs> Everyone he says is condemned. All of us. So it's not that God is. It's not that God is saying you're going to hell. It's not that Jesus is saying you're condemned. He's saying we already all are in that state. Okay, so it's not some it's something we we already exist in. It's not something that Jesus is saying, you're going to go to hell if you don't believe in me. It's him saying, you guys are already all there. <laughs> okay. So what, so what takes you out of that? That's where you're going. And to get out of that, you have to believe in me. And I'm the one that's going to, to, to pull you out of that condemnation. 
So all of us are already condemned. All of us are already in that state. It's not that God's putting us in that state. We exist in that state. And and so Christ is saying, I've come to save you from that. I think it just, it's to me, what hits me about that is, it's not God going around going, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Um, if you don't believe in me, which is how we can hurt sometimes. If you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. It's like, no, you're already, this is where we all are. <laughs> I've come to save you from where you're going to be if you don't believe in me. You know, Greg, I understand what you're saying. And at some point in time, there is a age of understanding. Uh-huh. Right. A young kid is in this situation. Right. He has no knowledge yet. Where is he at? Well, yeah, and he hasn't accepted. That's that's he what is. right, and that's first of all we don't know the answer to that. Yeah, no. Okay, I mean people look at that and go, well, Jesus does talk about the children, you know, coming to me and, and those different types of things. We don't. The Bible doesn't speak about what happens if you're not accountable for that. <laughs> all right, well, you're not you at the re- age. You haven't reached the age where you can develop yeah. the logic. That's where we go, the grace and mercy of God. Yeah. We, that's not, I, I, what I we know is miracle. he desires everyone to be saved. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Absolutely. So. Isn't that the process of sanctification? Well, the process of sanctification is once you've been saved, that's your virtue. Once you've been saved, the growing in that faith is sanctification. Right. But. The first thing that has to happen is... Sanctification is the process where you embrace it and live it. Right, right, exactly. And and why is it then... Okay, I'm glad you brought that up. So why is it that... I wouldn't say it's pressure, but I always feel like that good Christians always want to save a person. Mm -hmm. But yet maybe the person's already been saved. Like a good example, I've known Jay for many years. And I stop by and always talk to him. We always have these talks. Are you talking about Jay? Grant. Grant, yeah, okay. So I'll sit there with uh-huh. Jay and we're having a talk, and all of a sudden we're talking about different things. And all of a sudden he'll just pull out a book, and he'll just, like, pretty much say he wants to save me. But, I mean, like, I I, I get it, but I don't get it. You know, I kind of feel like, like, um, is there, you know, is there supposed to be... So many times you can be saved, or you just say I'm saved, and I mean, I mean, I feel, I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but I mean, I, I almost feel like if he's doing that, not, and, and and don't take that personal. I'm not, I'm not talking just about Jay. I'm not a lot of people. Like, do they feel like I'm a sinner? <laughs> you know, because you yeah, I am a sinner, right? Yeah, but I'm even saying like, you know, you know, uh, I'm really, a safe sinner. I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, I just yeah. always feel, I always feel like that. I believe you can so, fall in and out. Yeah, you can fall in and yeah, out. We talked about that two weeks ago when uh, someone brought that up. Remember about his walk and being unsure of his walk and how do you get there and what's that about? Remember we talked about that. I know you need reinforcement. I get that. But right. I feel, you know, I'll go to like Phoenix Suns game and I'll sit on a Jefferson and there's guys yelling at me. <laughs> like, you know, you got to be saved right now. And I'm thinking, they don't know me. I got, they don't even know me. They're walking around with all these signs yelling at me and stuff. Like, you know, well, how do they know anything about me? You know, it's like, I feel like I started getting a complex, like, you know. Yeah. Um, Are you a fan of this? Oh, yeah. There's your problem. 
Those talking? guys, like, you know who we got. Those guys aren't talking to you though. Yeah, you know who they're just talking to the world. Yeah, they're just talking to the world because the whole world needs to be saved from the very beginning. Yeah, the whole Earth is passing away. It needs to be saved. The sun needs. To, the universe needs to be saved. Well, yeah, yeah, and it's going to be recreated through him. Right. Yeah, but for my soul, I was lost until I, you know, I was in church my whole life, but. When I got to know the word, that gave me the assurance. It says in first, second, and third John, it yeah. says, so you may know. Okay, I want you to listen to what you say. So right you now. may know. We, we deserve to have the assurance that you are saved. And, um, if you look that up on your phone, so you may know, just look that up on your phone John, as we leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's John, the end of John 5. So, so this, you're asking actually a really, really just a key, key, key question. Okay. Um, I'm going to go back to Galatians, where Paul makes it very explicit in other places that when you put your faith in Christ, when you genuinely do that, you are given the Holy Spirit inside of you, okay? And I would probably go along with Paul that that is a guaranteed thing. That Spirit doesn't just come and go based on your actions of what you think, okay? Sealed. Sealed, exactly. Guaranteed until the day of redemption. So if you've made that genuine... If you have placed your faith in Christ, however that process has happened, everybody's different with that, you will have the Spirit in you. That Spirit does exactly what he's saying. And we forget to tell, we forget, people forget about exactly what Steve was saying. Is that Spirit is the witness, the testimony that you have placed your faith in Christ. And what that testimony looks like, it's not something Jay can see or Greg can see or any of us can see inside Ken, or it's nothing you guys can see inside of me. That's sort of what I was saying in that Corinthians verse when I did my sermon. It's that the, that that spirit that's been put inside of you will testify to you that you are a child of God. And the way it does that, and this is a little different from every for everybody, but in essence what it does is it gives you the assurance that I am Christ, that I am a child of God. Now, people can then end up doubting that over time, and usually people will end up doubting that because they've gone away from being in the Word, <laughs> gone away from going to church, gone away from being in fellowship with God. When you're not with God and spending the time with Him, it's like you can you know, be married to your wife and be living in the same household. If you guys never talk and never relate, it's like, well, you're still married, but you don't feel married. <laughs> Because you're never around. Okay, I get it. Okay? I get it. So you've got to be in that relationship. But that relationship that happens through being in his word, through being among all of us here, that's where the spirit speaks to you and will say, in essence, inside of you, give you the assurance he just talked about. Assurance that you are a child of God. And that's something I can pray for. I can pray for that Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. That's a little different... And I think awesome. even David, David, awesome. David said it. it in the song that was read tonight, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Yeah. Hmm. Even that's, you, that's even, awesome. I'll, I'll even I say, that. yeah, I, I even that. say the experience you had going to that concert, maybe you had some of that in you. Absolutely. With that, where, oh, yeah, yeah, where you're experiencing the Spirit in you, okay, and it's doing something to you, and it's testifying that, Ken, you are a child of God. All right. Um, There's no question. Yeah, so, there is no question on that. Right. 
It's done. And no one can prove it. No one can, like, go, well, can prove that you are or not. You can't. It's something that God does inside <clears throat> of us. And we forget about that with people a lot of times. Um, can I go somewhere? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of oblique attack on what you're discussing? Um, An oblique attack? <laughs> no, flank, <laughs> it's flank attack. Tangential. I better stand over here. <laughs> uh, we just read, you know, that um, Jesus stood, stood out and said, okay, you want me, you don't want these guys, let them go. Right? Yeah. And that's bravery. And, and he called, think of his disciples as his friends. And then listen to this. This is John 15. Chapter 15, mm-hmm. Jesus is talking, Greater love hath no man that, than mm-hmm. this, that a man lay his life down for his friends. So Jesus is saying a few chapters ahead of time, this is what I'm going to do in the garden for you guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No greater love than what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. I'm laying down my life for you. And then he defines friends, which gets into, are you saved or not? What makes you saved? It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's the next verse. Ye are my friends, if you do whatever I command you. It's not like you're all my friends. Aww, no. buddy. <laughs> you're his friend. Jesus claims you as his own. As a condition. If you yeah. do right. what he commands you. So you, we, I think we can assume that all those disciples that were with him then, before the crucifixion, were his friends because they were following him and they were doing what he was, they were doing their best to follow his commands. Mm-hmm. So he's claiming them as friends. And that, that works for us. If, if we do what he commands us, in other words, we live a life as well as we can free of sin, and we ask for forgiveness of our sin when we mess up, mm-hmm. we are his friends. And if that's the case, then the above verse applies, he gave his life for us. And then you think, well, that's nice. And then Jesus, a few verses down, says, if the world hates you, Know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, you're a believer, you're in him, you're not of the world, I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So, if we, you know, if we're consistent, manly Christians and we walk out of here and we represent the Lord, as we should, the world hates us. It's hardball. This is this is tough. You know, but, but keeping it simple, stupid. <laughs> the assurance word that you guys are using. There has to be assurance in your daily life. It's not from your heart, your spirit, and the words in the Bible. It's got to be. Don't say it's not the words in the Bible. Oh, it is the words in the Bible. You just say as far as your demonstration of that. Yes, okay. that's what I'm talking about. I mean, the, word, the words in the Bible mean, yeah, I understand. I'm not, that was the wrong way to say it. But you have to have something in your, your everyday life that sort of assures you that you're on the right track or some somebody that's is in your you're... life helping you down that path. Mm-hmm. But there's, a, scri- the word there's a scripture that says yeah. that, that the Holy Spirit bears witness Here. with our spirit. Right. Because yeah. Yeah. You, and I'll just, I'll just say, yeah, right, there's something in my life going on since I was five, six years old that headed me in the right direction. Because maybe I bumped off the wall here back and forth, but it's made a better man of me. and made a better father, child, son, whatever it was. 
So there's there's some big spirit out there in my life working on me. Mm-hmm. I know that. Mm-hmm. Can I say what David say said in a different way? <laughs> sure. <laughs> For me, um, the process starts when being somebody in the world, you take yourself off the throne and submit to Christ's authority and you put him back on the throne. And so what happens is, is that that's when his spirit comes and lives in you. And the way that he lives in you is through your conscience. And that's where virtue comes in. Because the virtue then, it becomes a sacred part of your life. Because if walking with him is important, then virtue is important. That becomes sacred in your life, no matter what the cost. And that's the the path of walking with him. That it all begins with submission to him before the Holy Spirit can come in and dwell in you and guide you through your conscience and through virtue. I feel that what you just said right now is I feel like he's working in me and I have to be honest with you I get scared at times and I feel like since I met you guys you know I was raised Catholic and all of a sudden I'm starting to understand the Bible a little more and, you know, my son's been in Europe for four months. He's coming back. And I think I told you this. He picked up the awe of God. And right away I started, because he tells my sister, he goes, Dad's going to help us with this and stuff. And I'm going, oh, God, i got to, you know, brush up here. And I felt, <laughs> I felt like, um, you know, my, my son's going to be saved. I mean, that blows me away. He's going to be 21 years old on May 9th. And now he's just coming to me for some leadership. I have people that are, like, wanting to talk to me more and and, and don't take this in the wrong way. I've been a musician my whole life, but, you know, I played all kinds of different music, and now I'm, like, playing more worship music. And now I'm talking to more Christians, and I'm and I'm kind of scared. I'm kind of scared, like, where That's things are going. I'm losing, the Holy Spirit working in I'm losing my, other, my other, my other, <laughs> I'm losing a good part of my identity. You know, I was, I was telling Tom, I was up in, I was in the Supai village, 50 miles in, in this Indian reservation, and I met some people, and we're, we're around a campfire, and we're singing worship music. I mean, who does that? I mean, you know, I'd be singing, like, Sympathy for the Devil, or, or some Rolling Stones song, but where's the nigga worship music? And I, and, and I'm not trying to be crazy on you guys, but I feel like some of my identity is leaving me, and 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 my wife loves it, but it's it's like you're being re-identified. I I don't feel like I care about the things. Like I don't have as much yeah. in common anymore. That's this That's is called and it scares, again. It scares me. I'm scared. Sure. I think I understand it. Sure. Sure. And well, I, I have a friend who yeah. says this. I am. Uh, how was John put it? Uh, I'm reinventing myself. Yeah. I, I think you, you, we, we used a word sanctification. He used that word tonight. That's what you're going through. You're going through the process of that. You, so part of it is just sort of shedding away as, you, as you're doing this. So I remember that feeling when I was first a Christian. Yeah, you're dying yeah. to self. Exactly. You're dying to self and letting the Holy Spirit live through you. And, and these things that are happening are the manifestation of the benefits of, of that process. But you, but I think you're saying you feel sometimes like you're losing your identity because, you know, in reality, you're losing, you're the old self 
is dying. You're not in control anymore. <laughs> but it's okay. You know, it's okay. It's okay to let it go. But I mean, I'm just wondering, where's what's going? Of course, it is. Where's this take? I mean. I, I was doing missionary work on like my with dentistry many years, like when I first got out of dental school, and I, I met a guy in um, Las Glorias in um, in Tijuana where he just said his name was Pastor Smith, and he just said he just gave it all up and went there and just started working in an orphanage. I'm going like I start thinking about that the other day. I go, where's this going, man? Where, where, what's going to happen in my last golden years? Am I going to take off? <laughs> you know, and it's, maybe there's some mission God has for me, and, and it's it. It, it, and I have people, I feel like my son and, and Roy's wife just asked my wife today, just today, is Ken playing on Easter? And, and she said, yeah, because she, she follows me a lot. And, and she's not, she's not a believer, and neither was Roy. And she goes, I'd like, I, I'd like to go to church with you guys, to a little church by the sea. And I feel like now I have an obligation to people that, you know, are looking at my life and going, Maybe this is a better way to go, you know? Yeah. And it, and it it's it's kind of scary. You know? It's kind of exciting, though, too. Um, it is exciting. Yeah, I'm going to just close. There's some amazing time. things coming. You yeah. watch. <laughs> yeah, buckle up. You watch. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, right. one thing I just want to say into, I want to say to you, is from the time you walked in here, okay, and we talk about assurance, that assurance of salvation, from the time you, we walked in here and you started sharing it, I, I, you know, put out as a challenge to all of us and said, don't just be in here, you know, learning a bunch of stuff, but go and start speaking Christ to others. Yeah. You were the one who mm. has done that. You actually convicted me a lot of times with that. But this is, so this passage, I think, I, I'm going to say, I thought of you as I'm reading this passage and actually Tom, reading 15, helped me to See this again. So this is what it says. It says, this is um, John 15, 26. It's, and it, it says, but when the helper comes, which is the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is talking about when the Holy Spirit is going to come. Whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth. All right. Who proceeds from the Father. He will bear witness about me. That's what I was talking about. When you believe in Christ... That spirit inside of you bears witness that you are now a child of Christ. But here's what it says right now after that. It says, and you also will will bear witness. The evidence, part of the evidence that you have that spirit inside of you, and you're a child of God, is because you're bearing witness to others who Jesus is. And that's what you've been doing. Ever since you watched into the study, that's what you have been doing. You've been going out on tops of mountains, sharing Christ with guys, okay, and on deathbeds, sharing Christ with guys. That is a witness. That's the way God is using you, and that bearing of that witness of him to others is huge evidence that he lives inside of you. And that's mm-hmm. your ministry. That's right. Yeah. That you are a child of God. Hey, Greg, we want to okay. just acknowledge no, a birthday right. from yesterday. Can we say oh. happy birthday, guys, real quick? Happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Greg. Happy birthday to you. And many more. And your present is your insurance is going to go down significantly. It just did. I just went on Medicare. I have my Medicare card. Right. Oh, it man, went to that's zero. Awesome. Yeah, in essence. Yeah. Well, you have to pay the fee. Don't take money out of your social security check. Yeah.
Yeah, I don't have a social security yet, but... Oh, well, yeah. you'll be getting one, soon. No? Not those um, I have a card now. I just got my Medicare card. Oh, you don't Medicare, but you don't start collecting it. I'm not collecting social security yet. I'm yeah. going to wait. 67, yeah, or something like that. I mean, I can start now, but it sounds like you should wait till you're 67 yeah. and a half or whatever. Yeah. Well, you have said me, you better. <laughs> anyway, thank you, guys. Should I open that now? Sure, or, yeah. Uh, I know we're, yeah. like, late, and... While you're doing that, quick, I yeah. quick thing. my mom was in the hospital, and oh my she almost didn't make it last night, and oh, wow. my sister went there this morning, I, we all prayed a lot, and I talked to her on the phone today, and she's really, she was doing really good, it was like, quick, she's wow. 97, oh, and, uh, wow. we, we thought we were going to lose her, oh. she, lost my aunt. she was 104, like, oh. about two months ago, yeah. but my mom, well, I talked to her on the phone, and she was making me laugh, and so it was, wow. I just want to tell you, cool. yeah, so, I'm really excited. I can tell men wrap this. The I was born and raised in the Empire. She was in the interior of Kaiser, straight in the there. And she was really sick, really sick. Wow. And we didn't think she was going to make it. Thank God. That, yeah, thank God. You're, that's awesome. This yeah. is a prayer shawl for your next visit. <laughs> yeah. Jerusalem. It is a, it is a prayer oh, shawl. Wow. Oh, cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's to walk into Coast Hardware. Oh, my gosh. That is so funny. <laughs> I love it. I love Coast Hardware. <laughs> I've seen you know, I've seen no, it. Yeah, turn it around. I'll be there tomorrow morning. <laughs> That's great. How much is it going to cost me I'll, to drive, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll drive put, further? You I'll know? put this on and walk in the store there. and people start coming up to me and say, excuse me, sir, can you help yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Actually, it's a good topic. Anyway. All you have to say is, aisle three, top right-hand side. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and then get the heck out of there. <laughs> yeah. Walk out the door. I'll say, it's hot to see that that yeah. was the right one. Yeah. Hey, good right. session. Yes. Yeah, good. Good. Yeah. yeah, good discussion, you guys. Yeah. It's sort of good to have a smaller group because we can just sort of do this stuff. So, anyway, appreciate you guys. Thank you for working with, with who's here. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you for the card. I'll read. I'll spend time tonight reading card. <laughs> um, will someone like to close us? Um, sure. Thank you. Heavenly Father, we just uh, we just love you and we thank you for this time to be able to come together as men, Christian men, mm. to know you. Mm. We know that you abide in us, Lord, and uh, we, we need to do a better job of uh, being able to go out there and uh, minister to others. Uh, I know I do. Uh, mm. Others might not mm. have that uh, have that need, but uh, Lord, uh, I just ask you for us to walk out of here fulfilled, mm. knowing that you are in us and you remain in us. Yes, and uh, we remain in you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.